morning. Uh, we are in week four of our series, Compelled, if you can believe that. We've been having this conversation for the last several weeks, talking about what it means to be compelled by God. And as we uh, look forward to concluding this, this series next week, uh, as we map out what God is calling us to do at Neighborhood Church in the area of missions and outreach, um, we believe that as followers of Jesus, we're compelled to a life of action. We believe that we're compelled to live lives that are visibly Christ-like. And we, we, we believe that God is, is calling us to prepare to actively step out in his plan and his purpose for our lives and for our church, and that we would truly be a church that is reaching across the street and around the world. You know, Jesus in his time on this earth spent the majority of his time loving and caring for other people. His desire was that every one of his followers would have the same focus, that we would be those that would be actively looking for opportunities to love and care for people. And often as we consider what it means to be compelled to love and care for others, we may believe that it's limited to the small sphere of people uh, that, 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 that surround us, maybe to the, to, to the small sphere of influence that we have. And we, we tend to, to put boundaries on what God can do in and through our lives. And we tend to think small. And I believe that God is calling us as individuals, as followers of Christ, and as a church to think big. To truly believe big for what God would desire to do in our lives and in our church. You know, when we, when we draw these, these boundaries, we, we tend to look at our immediate and extended family. We we, we, we look at those with, with whom we attend church or, or perhaps those that we work with, and we look at that sphere, that circle, and we say, well, that's, that's what God's given me. That's kind of the territory that God's called me to. But when we think about the greater population of our neighborhoods and our community and our state and our country and certainly the world, we tend to look at that and we say, well, that's for other people to figure out. I'm not called to all those places. God wouldn't, wouldn't desire that I go. And we tend to look at our inadequacies as people, and we, we tend to disqualify ourselves for the work that needs to be done. You know, one spiritual leader who's always inspired me throughout my life was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham's gone, gone on to be with the Lord and receive his eternal reward for a lifetime of, of loving and caring for people. But Billy Graham was, was one of those kind of larger-than-life spiritual leaders. If you ever had the, the privilege to, to go and be a part of one of his crusades, they were incredible. He was an amazing communicator, and you could see the love of Jesus in his heart and in his ministry. But Billy Graham came from humble beginnings. He, he grew up on a, on a dairy in, in North Carolina, and it wasn't until um, later in his life that he had his evangelistic breakthrough. He was conducting a three-week tent crusade in Los Angeles uh, where the Spirit of God showed up and people's lives began to change. And the crusade was extended out to eight weeks. And there, his ministry started. And this incredible life of impact was birthed. You know, it's, it's estimated that, that Billy Graham had the, the opportunity to speak to over 215 million people in his time in ministry in over 185 different countries. 
Can you imagine that? Having that kind of impact? 215 million people. You know, he uh, was, was a person who, was, who came to be known as America's pastor. And he, he ministered to presidents and, and, and leaders. And he received the Medal of Freedom from President Reagan and was listed on Gallup's annual U.S. polls as the most admired person 61 different times, more than anyone else in history. I remember, you know, watching Billy Graham's life and thinking to myself, I could never have that kind of impact. I could never have that, that far-reaching of a ministry or hope to have that kind of influence on people. That's just, that's, that's a different, that's just a different level. And I remember some years ago, I felt the Spirit of God say to me, I've, I've not asked you to be Billy Graham. I've asked you to be Dan Clements. I've asked you to love and care for the people that I put in front of you. I've asked you to love and care for the ministry that I've called you to. You know, it was Mother Teresa who once said, it's not about how much you do, but how much love you put into what you do that counts. Did you hear that? It's not about how much you do, but how much love you put into what you do that counts. You know, there's menial tasks that we all have to undertake. There's things that we have to do in the midst of our day, and oftentimes love is the last thing that we think about putting into those things that we have to do. The last several weeks as we've been in this series, Compelled, We've discussed what it means to be compelled to reach outside ourselves, compelled to pray the way for the work of God to be accomplished. We've discussed what it means to be compelled to grow in our understanding of Jesus' love and his desire to use us. And today, we take one of the final steps in embracing our need to be compelled to go. Compelled to go. You know, it's critically important that we understand that as God is compelling us to go, to share the good news so that he may fulfill the promise he made in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, verse 32, he said to go so that he might draw all people to himself. God desires to use us so that he might draw people to himself. So they, they, might, they might experience his love. They might experience his power and the freeing power of salvation. Our text today is found in Luke chapter 14. If you want to flip there, you can. As usual, all of our notes and our scripture references are available to you on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search for Neighborhood Church under Events. But Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16, Jesus has just spent time with some Pharisees and religious leaders. And he's brought about a little bit of a rebuke. And then he, he begins to tell a story, as Jesus often did. In verse 16, Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please, excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you are calling us to go, that you are calling us to stretch outside of ourselves to impact our community, our neighborhood, our families, our workplaces for your glory. We ask today, Father, that you would challenge our hearts, that you'd awaken our minds, Lord, to the people that you're bringing across our paths, that we would see the world through your eyes and not be satisfied just living our lives day to day. So, Father, help us to understand what it means to be compelled, compelled to go to reach the lost. We love you and we thank you that you loved us first and that you showed us the perfect example of what it means to be a father. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray blessing on our time. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's interesting in this, this passage of Scripture, Jesus is speaking of this, this banquet, this feast, and, and I'm, 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 I'm struck by the, the New International Version's translation of, of, of verse 23. It says, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in. Compel them so that my house may be full. You know, this passage of Scripture, Jesus uses the parable of a great meal to illustrate the eternal truths of salvation. Jesus' goal in sharing this parable is is not just to emphasize the free gift of salvation. No, instead, he's compelling us to the responsibility we have to reach those who don't yet know Jesus. It's not enough just to receive the free gift. We have to understand that God's desire is that we would share it. Ironically, Jesus is right in the midst of once again dealing with the hypocrisy and the arrogance of the religious leaders of the day. He's dealing with this, you know, law of you you, you can't heal on the Sabbath, so he heals somebody. And he says, which of you, if your child was was caught or fell into a pit, wouldn't help them out, regardless of whether it was on the Sabbath. So he's in the midst of undoing all of these religious laws that these leaders like to live by and have everybody think they're important. And after successfully turning their arguments regarding healing on the Sabbath on end, he turns his attention to their incessant need to be revered and honored and to sit in the the place of honor authority. You know, too often we find ourselves in this place of desiring to be blessed and honored, forgetting that each of us was saved from our sin. We should desire to tell others of this free gift, this 
saving power of Jesus because we're no different. And as we break down the parable that Jesus shared with these religious leaders, and really the church as a whole, it's important we come to a place of understanding God's command to us to go to those who don't yet know him. There's three different areas that I want to challenge us to understand this morning as it pertains to God's commandment to go. The first is this. We must engage an understanding of the details within God's command to go. The details. God's called us to go, and he's called us to go because he sees a need. And first, we need to see the place to which the Lord is calling his servant to go. In this parable, the master brings in the servant and says, I want you to go out. And he speaks of the places he wants his servant to go. In Luke 14, 21, it says, The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. It's interesting, all these different places the master is sending his servant. He starts with the streets and the alleys, the areas around town that maybe are a little bit more familiar. Maybe the servant would have, have frequented those areas of the city. And then he turns his attention to the, the country lanes and the hedges on the outskirts of town. Maybe the spaces that are a little bit less familiar. Maybe an area that that servant hadn't traveled quite as much. Or, you know, when we think about our lives, what are the areas that are familiar to us? Perhaps it's our home, our family, our neighborhood. We have a pretty good relationship with our neighbors. Our workplace, the people that we work with. These would have represented the familiar, familiar places that the servant might have gone to invite people in. But what are, what are the areas that would, would not be as familiar? The highways and the hedges. Perhaps the grocery store, or the gas station, at a restaurant. These places where we would go and we just kind of do our business and then we go home. We don't want to bug anybody. We don't want to bother anybody. We don't want to... Don't want to bring attention to ourselves. You know, it's interesting. We don't usually mind talking about Jesus with other Christians. But we struggle to want to go outside of those areas of comfort to reach those who are without hope and in need of a Savior. We struggle to want to share Jesus with people who don't know him for fear of embarrassment or rejection or, well, what are they going to think? Jesus freak, whatever. So we need to understand that God is calling us to different places, places that are both familiar and unfamiliar. We also need to understand and see the people to whom the Lord is calling his servant to go. Yes, he's calling him to a place, but he's also calling him 
to the people. You know, Luke 14.23 says, The master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come. Anyone. You know, Jesus' invitation to this banquet, Jesus' invitation to salvation is without qualification. It's not you over here, you guys are all, you guys get the salvation, you guys, not so much, sorry. It's not going to go so well for you. Jesus doesn't, doesn't separate everyone out. He says anyone, whoever will come. We had a saying up at Horizon when I was up there at the school. There's different types of Christian schools, and some Christian schools want, 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 want to bring kids in, and, and you need to have a profession of faith, and you need to, to say we, we love Jesus, and so we're coming here because we want to be a part of a Christian school that proclaims the name of Jesus. And then there's other schools that have a little bit more of an evangelistic approach and say, listen, we want you to come. We want you to hear about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. But if you're okay with that, we want you to come. And we used to say, whosoever will may come. If you believe in Jesus, that's great. If you don't, that's great. But we want you here. And that's the picture we see in, in, in who the master's calling. Whoever will come. Anyone. And when we think about the people Jesus is calling us to go to, there's a lot of different kind of people out there. Would you agree? We're not all cookie cutters. And when we think about the pe- people that Jesus is specifically calling us to show and share his love, there's four different people that I think we need to be aware of. There's the desperate, the poor, the abused, the sick, the addicted, the hopeless. And we need to seek them out to share the good news. We, we need to go out to them understanding that they're not going to come in. The desperate. There's the defiant. There's those who are purposefully rebelling against God for one reason or another. Maybe they refuse or reject God because somebody in the church hurt them. Maybe a Christian hurt them. Or maybe they just don't believe. They say, you know what? I don't believe in all that spiritual stuff. They're rebelling against God's plan for their life. And while they may refuse to reject God, we need to try and try again. Because oftentimes, the first time will not be enough. There's the difficult, those who want to argue or ask the really hard questions that we're all uncomfortable we're going to have asked, and we won't know the answer. Or people who have different spiritual views, or, or maybe none at all. They're the difficult people, and, and those are the people that oftentimes we want to write them off, because it's like, I just... I don't think I can handle that. I don't think I want to engage that, those hard questions where somebody's going to ask me something and I'm not going to know what to say. 
and we want to write them off, but instead we need to be willing to listen and show and share the love of Jesus. Sometimes we have to be patient, and sometimes we just need to listen to their heart. And then there's the different. The people who don't dress like us, the people who don't behave like us, the people who don't live like us. In the Bible, they were the Samaritans, the non-Jews. They were looked down on. But we can't, res- we can't reserve the good news only for those who look or act like us or merely those who are in our circle, our sphere, our social club. Because that's not what God is calling us to. And as we begin to lean into God's call to us to go, it's important we understand the details of where and to whom he's calling us. Because he's calling us to places and he's calling us to people. So we need to understand the details within God's command to go. We also must possess an understanding of the desire within God's command to go. You know, as we read the, the parable of the master, this story that Jesus is sharing, it's, it's easy to, to see and, and, and to sense the desire that he had that no one would miss out. That nobody would miss out on the meal. It's no different with, with God. He desires that no one would miss out on his promise. And there's a couple areas to consider when it comes to God's desire that none would be left out of the gift of salvation. The first area is God's passion for people. God loves people. God is love. His very character is love. And he has a passion for people. He has a passion to see people saved. He has a passion to see people step into his plan. Luke 14.23, the NOV says, compel them to come in. Compel them. This shows more than just a, a Facebook invite or an open house idea. There's an urgency. Do you, do you feel that when, when we say compelled? There's an urgency there. There's an a, a element of persuasion when we talk about compelling There's a sense of necessity. This call to reach people is not optional. The call to go is not optional. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone, whoever will come. 
You know, I have a, I have a friend uh, who challenges me. And I, I sometimes am in awe of if his love for God and his love for people. And he's much more bold than I. And I uh, had the opportunity to have lunch with him this past week. We're sitting across the table, we're talking, and our server walks up, and he says, hey, where are you going to church? I was like, wow, that was bold. And he knew this kid. He'd, he'd, he'd spent time in this restaurant and spent time investing and pouring into this kid. He said, hey, where are you going to church? And the kid said, oh, you know, I'm kind of looking at going over here. He goes, you need to go to neighborhood church. This is Dan. He's the pastor. I was like, hey, going. And if you don't go to neighborhood church, you need to go over to this church. And he was just bold. He said, listen, God's got a plan for you. You need to be in church. I thought, wow. And sometimes I wonder, why don't I have that same boldness to say, hey, where are you at? What's going on in your life? You know who Jesus is? The question becomes, do we truly have a passion for the gospel? Because God has a passion for people. But do we have a passion for the gospel? Do we see the good news of Jesus' love as something worth sharing? Or just something we've experienced? Because I see a lot of stuff being shared on social media. Here's how you can make a you know, meat patty with cheese infused in it. And you know, here's how you can you know, do this with your lawn. And you know, here's a DIY for how to do a shiplap wall. There's a lot of stuff we're sharing. Do we have the passion to share the saving power of Jesus? The story of our lives redeemed? Because it should come out of us naturally. Why is it that we get more excited about our favorite sports team or an amazing food dish at a restaurant than we do about sharing the love of Jesus? The excitement we feel for the freedom we found in Jesus should motivate us to share our faith with the same level of passion. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Are we passionate about the message of the gospel? Are we passionate about the God who loved us so much that he'd send his son so that we could have life? God is passionate about his people, and God also has a purpose for his people. God showed the ultimate sign of his love in sending Jesus came to the earth to live a perfect life, die a shameful death, to be raised again so that we could step into relationship and life. The work's been done. The meal is ready. He tells the, he tells the story. The meal is ready. The banquet is ready. And God's desire is his house would be filled, that no one would miss out, that all would come to the knowledge of his love and the saving power of Jesus. 
So will we be willing to step into the purpose of God? Do we have passion for people? Do we have passion for God's love? Are we willing to step into his purpose to go? As we come alongside of people, we've, we must show and share the love of Jesus, understanding that God's passion and purpose is for each and every one of us. But we've got to understand the details within God's command, but we also have got to understand the desire within God's command to go. Finally, we must be willing to lean into the directive within God's command to go. There was a detail and a desire. There was also a directive. As we look at the directive given by the Lord to the servant in the parable, it's clear it was not given as consideration. Hey, you're not too busy. You don't have too much going on today. Could you go out? No, it was, it was given with an expectation of obedience. Go out and bring anyone in. Compel them to come in. Not, hey, you know, it's not going to put you out too much. The commandment was to go. Luke 14, 23. Go and compel them to come in. And when we look at the directive we've received from God in this parable, there's an urgency to the command. The meal was prepared. It was no time to waste. Anybody who's prepared a meal, which I'm just going to go out on a limb and figure there's probably a few at this place. But I remember Gretchen used to cater, and she'd prepare the meal. And once it was prepared, it, you, don't, the, you know, the, the clock starts ticking. You can only chafe dish the thing with the little burner for so long before it's like, when did you put this out again? And the meal was set, and the banquet was ready. So we know there was a time frame. Tomorrow would be too late. There was no time to waste. But do we sense that same urgency for those people that God brings across our path? We look at it and say, I got to speak to him now. I got to talk to him about Jesus now. Because tomorrow may be too late. We don't know how many days we have on this earth. We don't know the number of days that we've been given. I've shared before about my friend who I went to high school with. He's a healthy, healthy young guy. He's a couple years older than me, and he had a family and kids. His dad was a doctor, very successful, healthy, fit. 33 years old, he's up playing at the Hoopla, three-on-three tournament up at up Capitol with his two brothers. He walks off the court, gone. Tomorrow may be too late. Are we compelled to go to share the love of Jesus with people who are here today but may not be tomorrow? Because Jesus is going to return. That much I can assure you. And his challenge rings true. In John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Because night is coming when no one can work. 
God's command for us to go is urgent. And it's also active. We have to step into obedience. We have to step in and say, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm not going to waste any time. Because go is an action word. It's not like, hey, you know. It expects and requires participation. Compels us to go out where those who need Jesus live. Are we going out to them? You know, it's interesting. For too long in the church, we've turned this command around, this command to go. And instead of going out and pursuing those to whom God is calling us, we expect them to come to us. We think, you know what? If we put up the right signage, and if we send out some postcards, and maybe if we get one of those little flappy guy fan thing dudes, and we put it on the corner, people will drive down Geary and go, well, that's weird. They've got a little flappy guy thing. I should probably go check out that church. Because not too many people have the flappy guy. And we tend to think if we do all the right things, they'll come, they'll come and they'll hear. That's not what God called us to, called us to go. All of our best pro- promotional efforts on social media, signage and branding, and even events will only yield some results. But God has given you a burden. He's given you a story. And he's called you to go. Mother Teresa said, go into the world today and love the people you meet. Let your presence light new light in the hearts of people. Did you hear that? Go into the world today and love the people you meet. Not just the people you know. Not just the people you like. The people you meet. And let your presence light new light in the hearts of people. You know, as we step into God's command to go to the people he's called us to love, perhaps Mother Teresa's challenge can be personalized to let God's presence in you light new light in the hearts of people. Let the presence of God shine through. Let the Spirit of God pave the way to a life change moment in someone else's life. Because we've been called to go. We must be compelled to go and be willing to step in to that plan and purpose that God has created us for. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your Son. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died. So, Father, we not only receive the free gift of salvation, but we understand that you're calling us to go out to share that love, to share that promise, to share the power of God. I ask, Father, that you'd give us eyes that would have a burden for people that you would give us eyes to see people through your eyes. That we would no longer be satisfied just spending time in our comfortable circles and, and, and social spheres, 
that we would no longer be satisfied to just go on that one path that we have to the store and back. Not look at anybody, not pass go, not, not, not collect $200. Father, we, we pray that you'd shake us. That you begin to awaken our hearts and our, our minds to the people who are hurting, to the people who are in desperate need of you. God, give us the courage to answer the call to go. Help us to be willing to speak to the people that you put in our paths, the desperate, the defiant, the difficult, the different. Because you love them. and You've called us to do the same. So Father, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you have a plan and a purpose. Today we want to answer that call. We want to say yes. Help us, Father. Let your spirit shine through us that we might point people to you. We love you, God. And this morning as we conclude this service and celebrate what God is doing in our lives, if, if you're in this place or if you're tuning in and, and you would say, you know, I've not yet made that decision to follow Jesus with my whole heart. I've not yet made that decision to step into relationship with God. We want to give you that opportunity. We want to partner with you in that decision. Understanding that God is desiring that no one would miss out. That no one would be left out of the meal. And so today, if that's you, we're not going to look, ask for a show of hands. We're not going to ask you to come forward. We would just simply ask you to pray a prayer with us. And Scripture tells us, the Bible tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe with your heart that Christ died and was resurrected, you will be saved. So today we're going to pray this prayer and we would ask that you pray it with us and that you believe in your heart. You confess your need of Him. So church, can we say this prayer together so that we don't single anyone out or embarrass them? Say, Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth Show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today, come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, friends, God is compelling us and calling us to go. And it very likely will mean that you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. The good news is we're not alone in it. And so every week as we challenge ourselves and we call ourselves to truly be the neighborhood, there's a choice involved. 
Because it's not a matter of existence. It's a matter of reaching. It's a matter of going. It's a matter of loving. And knowing that God will take care of the details. So let's be obedient in responding to the call of God to go this week. And I pray that as you step out, that you will begin to see the hand of God move in and through your life as people's lives are changed. We're excited for a wonderful Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful time together, family and friends. We pray you enjoy this amazing sunshine and that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We do have Father's Day gifts out there, so dads, please grab some beef jerky and some dad's root beer on your way out and uh, have a wonderful, blessed week. Let's be the neighborhood. God bless.